Hi Chris, how are you? Good evening Rod, I am well. And here we are on the 13th of September 23 and it's the day after the Apple iPhone keynote event which was called The Lust. I didn't know if we had to do it in some fancy pronunciation. You wonder why you're lusting after it, maybe that's the thing. Yeah, they should have probably come up with a name that was more fit into a not very exciting keynote. Well, I think you've sort of buried the the lead there, haven't you? I, we're, we're, we'll we'll go through this, and this show will almost entirely be about the um, Apple and iPhone event that happened on the twelfth. Quite nice, actually, to take a day, sort of ponder all the announcements and things like that. What we haven't put in our show notes is: Are we going to buy anything? We should probably talk about that. Really, instead of doing thing of the week and app of the week, we'll we'll do that instead. And we'll just sort of go through, sort of play by play what we thought, and we'll we'll see what we come to. Eh? Sounds like a plan to me. Right, I've got one bit of follow up. Um, I think I alluded to last week that Audio Hijack Pro had been updated, maybe the week before, to Sonoma, and I was going to hold off on Sonoma. Well, the release candidate came out for Sonoma after the event yesterday, and I installed it this morning. And Sonoma has the most annoying feature I've had in a macOS for quite some time. Which is, if you click on the desktop. All the windows go away in expose mode as default. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you've only just noticed this? You've got to remember, I don't use my Mac all the time. Unlike you, I use my iPad all the time. So uh, I had not noticed that. It's absolutely infuriating. Infuri- you um, don't care. You can change that, though. Click. Uh, oh, I have. Okay. Oh, I have. <laughs> Sorry, because there's a tool tip that comes up when you do it. And obviously, I hadn't done it before. And it says you can change this in settings. Well, I, I sort of click off Windows all the time when I'm trying to get make something else active, like the Finder, for example, so I can hit a keyboard shortcut quickly. And it was driving me mental. So the very first thing I disabled in Sonoma was that. And then the only other thing I've noticed about Sonoma, and you know, let's have a, a, a shout out for live video, is that the effects work in Zoom. So I've just done a thumbs up to Chris, and Chris can probably see a thumbs up bubble has appeared over my thumb. I can see a thumbs up. This is quite clever, I think, to be fair. All right, and if you do the little heart thing, hearts come up, yes. And Chris's thumbs down isn't working, so obviously your studio display camera, is that what we're looking at you on? Yes. Right, there you go. There's a problem with the studio display. Oh, no, it did work. It did work. Oh, yeah, it did work. So I think that's quite neat what they've done there. <laughs> you can do fireworks if you do two thumbs up. You can do a thumbs up or thumbs down and get rain. It's very clever how they've done it at a system level, and actually the individual apps don't need updating. So it's, it's pretty neat that that just works through the magic of the OS layer, which I think is quite clever. I'm a bit disappointed with what they've done on the iPad because it looks like the apps on the iPad need to be updated to use the webcam, which I'd rather have it in system settings. Can I just pick which webcam I want to use? Do I want to use the iPad one or my studio display one? Whereas I think they're trying to be clever and whatever screen the app's on, it will use that that camera. It's like, don't be clever. Just give me the setting to pick the thing. So I think they've done some smart stuff, though, to be fair. Yeah, it's not bad. It's I can understand why this is a bit of a spoiler for later. That actually, for the first time in years, Sonoma will be released at the same time as the iOS, iPad OS, and all the other OSs. Normally, it's a couple of weeks behind, but there ain't that much in Sonoma. So yeah, great. TVOS is the biggest updated OS this year. I, I stand by it. I'm not going to argue with you. Any other follow-up, or should we just dive into it? No, I think we should just dive straight in, because we've got quite a bit to talk about. We do. So I'll sort of do, do the narration and you sort of jump in when you've got thoughts on things. So they started with a little um, video of lots of people being celebrating their birthdays. 
And the underlying theme of everybody celebrating the birthdays from all over the world was all of them had had their lives potentially saved in some way by some automated Apple reporting. So either they were, they'd been lost in the wilderness and people came to rescue them or they had AF or, or a heart um, arrhythmia of some sort and the Apple Watch had notified them or they'd been in a car crash and the new stuff in iPhone 14 had, had actually called the emergency services on their heart. So that was quite literally heartwarming, I thought. It was quite well done. Not too cheesy. I guess it's quite cool to go, look, not only do we make cool products, but we literally save lives. Like, not many companies can shout about that, can they? So it is true. I mean, they have saved lives, haven't they? And why wouldn't you shout about that? Because you can't really do more for humanity than that sometimes. No, it's pretty good. You you slightly question, uh, must I spend at least 500 quid to get into something saving my life? Maybe could you not put in something a bit cheaper and save more lives? Just a thought. Yeah, that is true. But I guess I guess everybody's life has a cost. Well, we do live in a very capitalist society, so I, I get it. But yeah, it's a nice feature. Um, uh, and for these people, the, uh, uh, the underlying message of they wouldn't have been around potentially for their next birthday for their family and the rest of it without this device. So it, it's, it was quite well done. It really was. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I, I thought it was good. I So I listened to the keynote in essence, and then I went back and watched a bunch of it. I thought it was quite well done. But for me, the video did set then the tempo for the rest because it's quite a slow video. It went on a while. And I was like, oh, this feels like it's going to be a very slow-paced keynote. Whereas we've had a few more recently that have been, and I was clicking my fingers to go boom, 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 boom. Look, we've released this, we're doing this. Whereas this was completely different and was very, very chilled, I'm going to say. Yeah, it felt padded to me. And actually the next section that Tim Cook did where he said, no, we're going to talk about the Mac. And he talked about the Mac Studio and he talked about the Mac Pro. And I thought, oh, this is going to be very slow, isn't it, if they're going to start doing that? Actually, I think just before that, he said, we're just going to talk about two products today, the iPhone and the watch. And to me, that set, he was, they knew they didn't have much, so they were setting expectation from the off. So you knew it was going to be slow. So we had then a slow video. And then, as you've said, we then went into updates about the Mac. And it's like, well, we haven't done this for a long time. So it, you knew they were trying to find some filler. Yeah, definitely. Uh, They did, as part of the Mac thing, put out a quote from MKBHD. Isn't it amazing that you've got a a podcaster slash, you know, YouTuber as sort of the very first quotes on something like this? That's how it shows how much the the world has changed from once it would have been somebody from the New York Times or The Guardian or, you know, mainstream media. Now you've got a a YouTuber. Surely it used to be the Wall Street Journal because we all know Walt Malsberg was Steve's favourite. It was interesting and I think he's a YouTuber slash podcaster, not the other way around. But I think it's great to see MKBHD up there because everybody rates his opinion. He's a very well-informed person. He's got a great view. He does great reviews. So I think it was right that they chose him because that's their audience. Yep, agree. Quick, quick quote to the, oh gosh, my brain's gone blank, Vision Pro, which comes up again later on in the keynote, but they're still on track to ship early next year for people who've got lots of money. Do you know what? I thought they did it quite well, and they just referenced the Vision Pro a couple of times. They didn't give us a big recap. It's not coming for a few more months, but they just said it, I thought, the right amount, just to tie everything together. I thought it was good. Yeah, I agree. So then they went straight into the Apple Watch. Uh, I'm not going to mention everybody that speaks, but they gave a whole bunch of different presenters the chance to talk. Jeff Raskin was first, but they went down product managers for the Apple Watch. They went Tim back to Tim for everything. So they'd sort of start with Tim, go to Jeff Raskin. Jeff Raskin would go to somebody else to talk about the chips or the screen or, or whatever it was. And then they'd come back in fairly standard Apple presentation format as they've got these days. I think it was quite good. They were a very diverse crowd. They all seemed very clearly to know what they were talking about. And I thought all the little video segments were just of that huge sort of shine sheen that Apple have got to all the production these days. 
I thought it was good. The only thing I'd say, to me, it felt a bit choppy. Like we were going from one person to the other. But, you know, there was a lot of back and forth to Jeff. You weren't going to Jeff and then over to somebody else and then somebody else. It was to this one person back to Jeff. I don't know. I just found it a bit, for me, it felt a bit choppy, I would say. And they pushed the locations a bit more. Normally, they're pretty much just in Apple Park. But this time, they were on a pier somewhere in San Francisco. And then they were, you know, out in the countryside somewhere by a beach. So there was more varied locations than there's been in recent videos. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. The cinematography was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. So Jeff talked about the Apple Watch Series 9 with his various compatriots there. Not a massive evolution, to, again, just to give a spoiler. There is new silicon in it for the first time. We've now got the S9 chip. I think that's three years since I've actually boot bumped the, the chip inside of the Apple Watch. It was based on the A15, I want to say. Oh, I can't remember now, but the 7 and the 8 were literally the same device. This is just slightly different than the 7. It does feel, the theme for this show is, Apple have done a load of work, but we've got to a point where they've massively plateaued. Um, and I wonder, A, is this the remnants of COVID and the output of COVID in that all the working from home, they haven't got as much stuff in the hopper? Or B, is it they've put all their effort into Vision Pro and therefore everything else has suffered as a direct consequence? Or both. Or both, yeah, it could, could be a perfect storm because it just felt like there's some good updates, but they're just good updates. There's nothing that we didn't know about in any device, in anything that we're going to talk about, really. And there's nothing that blew us away, I don't think. Yeah, this is a very incremental evolution. So what they've said is better GPU. Presumably we've moved to either 5 nanometers or 3 nanometers for this. They didn't actually say the watch chip, which has got 60% more transistors, better GPU. Dictation is apparently 25% more accurate than the 8 how accurate was it on the eight? It's a meaningless statistic, that. Yeah, it's a bit odd. I wonder if that's because there's a lot more done in device now for Siri. I mean, it's got 60% more transistors. I mean, the amount they must be packing in there. You've got to assume this isn't three nanometer because they didn't make reference to it. So that they've obviously saved that for the iPhone. I guess that will filter down. Yeah. I mean, the most interesting thing about this chip, really, other than, of course, your Siri requests will be processed faster is that there's a new ultra-wideband chip in it, and they come back to that in the phone as well, that's more accurate for finding other devices with this new ultra-wideband chip. Which I'm not sure I've ever really used, so I, I don't think that's going to do much for me. But it is interesting because the ultra-wideband was introduced in the iPhone 11, and here we are five years later, and it's just getting its first update. So it's obviously taken a, a while to do something in that space. Yeah, I think it's been good enough. I mean, I use my AirTags all the time. If I want to find the keys that I've left, it, it, it leads me to them, as has been. But again, they show it in the Apple, the, the, the phone video later. If you're getting close enough to somebody in a market that's busy somewhere and GPS is you know too vague at that point, and having those ultra-wideband chips, as long as your friend has got the same model of phone as you or watch with the same ultra-wideband chip, and you can find them with a bit more precision. So I think a little more precision in this is good, but it's not a must-have feature, is it? It's just incremental evolution again yeah it's, that's that's it is incremental and everything's moving forwards and it won't take long till it filters through the whole lineup yep the screen is brighter that's a good thing it goes up to 2000 nits brightness now so when you're outside looking at your watch you want to be able to see it in, in bright sunlight that's that can only be a good thing i don't remember them saying how low in brightness that this this standard apple watch series 9 went they do talk about it in the apple watch ultra 2 but uh, I think this is a good thing. I just hope it's not quite so blinding when you try and look at it in bed. Yeah, there is that. But I think they said it was for outside. So I'm sure they're using the ambient light sensor to go, oh, you're dark inside. We won't run at full 2000 nits. But 
when you're outside and it's brighter, the ambient light light sensor will pick it up. Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting. And then they spent a long time talking about a new gesture available for the watch, which is double tap. So if you can imagine you sort of click your uh, index finger and your thumb together twice really quickly, it will select the default action on the phone. So if there's a phone call coming and you double tap your finger, it will answer the call. Double tap again will end the call. Only on Apple native apps at this point, but I feel like they did something like this before with some sort of active something when they were talking about gestures. You could do a clench fist and stop thing, uh, stop things on a previous iteration of the Apple Watch. So I need to look into that. I don't know why this couldn't be done with current technology if they've done something like it before. Maybe it's something they could have done with current tech, but maybe they've software limited it just to the latest. Yeah, I've not seen what you're talking about, so I couldn't really comment, I guess. But I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting one. I just wonder how reliable it will be in real life. I used to occasionally use my nose just to touch a button on the screen if my hands were full. So it's definitely better than doing the nose gesture. So it'd just be interesting to see what it's like in reality. And I wonder if this actually came out of the Vision Pro, because obviously this is a gesture, gesture we've seen in the Vision Pro. So I wonder whether they've used some of that smarts that they've done. Yeah, I've just remembered what it was called. It was called Assistive Touch. It was introduced on the Apple Watch settings, and you could do all sorts of things. So you could navigate your Apple Watch with hand gestures. For example, when you raise your wrist to speak, would be an, an example of assistive touch. You could do all sorts of things with it. So I'll put a little link in the in the show notes to what assistive touch was. But that's interesting, a technology that they had before based on where the watch was in space. They can now, they're now confining to a particular version of the Apple Watch from this point on. So eh, this feels like a bit of a reach, really. Yeah, agreed. I think, again, they, they're trying to pad it out, aren't they? Because they just haven't got much to say. They haven't got much to say. Anyway, interesting. Uh, it comes in some colours. I think these are pretty much the standard colours at these points. Apparently we've got pink, starlight, silver, and product red. Yeah, and they changed these colours quite recently. And I must confess, I, I think they did a couple of years ago, and I don't really like them. I don't know why. Here we are asking for brighter colours. And these ones, I don't know, they just don't look good to me. I remember last year when the Apple Watch Ultra came out, I was actually looking at getting a stainless steel one because I thought it actually looked quite smart. It's nice to wear with if you're in the office and, and you've got a shirt on maybe. But um, I was a bit disappointed with the aluminium colours, if I'm honest, but they just haven't really done anything. There's just nothing here. I thought maybe the regular Apple Watch might get the action button or something, but no, it hasn't. Um, it feels like they phoned this one in again, but they've done that for two years in a row now with the Apple Watch. Yeah, I think it's very lackluster. I gotta say, you know, a slight variation on colours, a very sort of limp, useless gesture control thing that they've added to it, and a slightly brighter screen. Eh, it's kind of a nothing. If I had an Apple Watch Seven, I wouldn't see any reason, compelling reason, to upgrade to this. Yeah, agreed. If you're buying a watch from scratch, great. You go for the latest and greatest things, which is the story we talked about last year, actually, with the 8. If you're if you're several generations behind in a new one, by all means, get the one. If you've never had one before, by all means, get one. But actually, the difference between an Apple Watch 5 and this is relatively minor. Yeah, because once you've got the always-on screen, I don't think there was anything major uh, really pushing it forward. So, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. It's a nice watch, yeah. and I think if you've got bad battery life, it's probably worth picking one of these up at some point because it will be very good and it will be faster. But they kind of said the the new the new chip will just make the animation smoother and the interaction smoother. It's not really doing anything major, so I, I never really see anybody complain about the speed of their watch. To be fair, no, not since the Series Zero, which was painfully slow. Yeah, that was horrific. 
they moved off the watch then, well, they moved partially off the watch to talk about their green credentials, which is sort of an underlying theme of the whole um, presentation, actually, is they were very keen to talk about their their progress in renewables, how they're going to hit the targets. They did what I thought was an extremely cheesy video, like a sub-Saturday Night Live sketch based on Mother Nature coming to visit and them all telling them how great they'd done. I think the green credentials of Apple are good. There's not as many companies have done as well to move forward with their green credentials. But at the same time, and they allude to it in one of the videos, they make an awful lot of devices. There's an awful lot of e-waste. There's an awful lot of device waste, as we've talked about in this podcast, with laptops and things like that being locked to people that then are completely useless to anyone, except maybe recycle and get some of the precious metals out of it. And I think it's laudable that they're doing the best they can to this, because they are one of the biggest device manufacturers in the world. But it's just like a bit of pat ourselves on the back, haven't we done well kind of thing, rather than... I don't get the impression they truly believe it. Yeah, so for me, this was odd, because you're in the middle of a product release, and then you dive off into a parody video in essence um and it just felt very odd placement i think everything they've done should be applauded like for a company like apple to release carbon neutral products to do so much good plant rainforests they should be shouting about that because most people won't know that they're doing that but it just felt very odd how they segued into that video it again felt a bit choppy you know we've chopped between all the presenters and now we're going to chop into another video in the middle of, of the release of these devices. It just just felt very strange. I'm glad they've done it, but I think they could have done it better. And also it was very slow. The video just, it just seemed very labored that how they were trying to like get the points across. But they should be shouting about it because they have done loads of good stuff. They're replanting rainforest by the sounds of it. They're, they're going to get their first ever carbon neutral product out the door. Like, fantastic. Yeah, I agree. It's good, but it just felt a bit self-congratulatory, really. That I mean, well done, and they should be shouting about it, but to me, the correct tone is we've hit our targets, but we want to do better. We want to do more, and it should be a very serious thing, not a, you know, and fair play Octavia Spencer came in and played Mother Nature, and she did a bang-up job of that. But it was unnecessary, completely unnecessary. Given their stance on privacy, security, you know, everything around how people, they take it very seriously, and this is something they should be taking seriously. By all means, shout about it. But it's not a trivial, hey, didn't we do well, guys, you know, moment, really. It's a, we've done well, but we can do better. And that's that's the message that should come out of this. Yeah, this should be the, we're just getting started kind of thing. Yeah, and not the funny comedy video. This is the, no, we're, we're really serious about this. From this point on, we're going to be carbon-free and everything. And they were very specific about some of the things that they were would be renewable. You know, this watch with this band will be carbon-free, not any other sort of variant of that. And as part of this, they've also said that they were stopping leather watch straps too. And part of me wonders, leather's pretty biodegradable, isn't it? It is, and actually some straps that, replace leather or some substitute leather products are worse for the environment than leather so i guess they've got to pick the right ones and i found that odd because correct me if i'm wrong but i think their fine woven case that's or straps that's coming out isn't carbon neutral and so if you're bringing out a new strap this new technology and new materials you'd have thought you'd want that to hit carbon neutral straight out of the gate so i found that odd that they're doing away with leather but we're replacing with something that looks very good doesn't hit their carbon credentials yet so i found that a bit bizarre yeah i'd go with that so i mean well done i i fully endorse the the green of this and and their, their ultimate ambitions but i just felt the tone was off yeah agreed but it is fantastic that they are they've set a strategy and they're ticking it off off along the way rather than getting to six months before it's due to be complete and going 
yeah, we're not going to make it. So I think it's great they're doing it. Yep, Apple Watch Ultra 2, all the stuff from above with the new S9 chip. I think they went from calling it silicon on chip or to or silicon on uh, something else to silicon in package SIP instead for some reason. Didn't make a lot of sense, that acronym to me particularly. Slightly better screen at 3,000 nits. Better Bluetooth connectivity for cycling accessories. More recycled content. Few new strap colors. Basically the same watch as last year. Yeah, if I still had an Apple Watch Ultra from last year, I'd be feeling pretty pleased with myself that my watch is good for another year because this one is not a worthy upgrade. Um, I'm amazed there's no new colours. I'm a bit disappointed they called it Apple Watch Ultra 2. I thought they might keep calling it the Apple Watch Ultra and we could drop having all these numbers like we do with MacBooks or AirPods. but it just looked the same watch. If you haven't got an Ultra and you want one, go and get one. I thought it would be lighter. I might have thought it might be smaller. But it was none of those things. So um, it just that whole area just doesn't seem to be moving forwards. Maybe they've reached the peak and actually we need something to be invented to then shrink to the next thickness, if that makes sense. Well, we've talked about the, uh, the watch is where the interesting stuff happens, isn't it? It's where they benchmark the technology before they move it into the phones and, and laptops and beyond that. So it's good, but they're not. These watches are no thinner, they're no smaller, they're, you know, they've got slightly better tran- uh, chips in them, but the slightly better chips in the phones already. So no screen technologies. The really disappointing thing to me was no new sensors. I mean, we, if remember, we were talking about potential blood pressure sensors and glucometers and all sorts of things. None of that. There is absolutely nothing, not even a compass this year or a, or a rubbish thermometer as there was in, in the Series 8. So it, as you say, maybe this is a, a consequence of COVID, maybe this is a consequence of focus elsewhere, but I feel like they were focused for a long time on the car and they still managed to get all sorts of good new technology out. Just focusing on Vision Pro isn't a good enough excuse for... I I, I want to be careful what I say because this isn't nothing. They have moved things along on the phone, which we're about to talk to a little bit more. But this is super slow progress on the watch. Yeah, it's it's been glacial for a couple of years. And part of me did think, because I did sell my Apple Watch this week before the event, I thought, am I going to regret selling my Apple Watch? jumping out of the ecosystem actually no i'm all right with it i'm gonna miss it if i go for a walk or something and or run but actually i'm not missing it and i'm comfortable with my decision fair play the one thing i do get as an apple watch ultra person and i installed the apple watch release candidate uh last night as well is i get the new watch face so the modular ultra watch face which was like a digital version of the one they did before with the compasses and things now works on my watch and it works with the ambient light sensor so one feature of the uh, Apple Watch Ultra is that it had a red tint to the watch face so it was less distracting in cinemas and all the rest of it when you were going to sleep. And now it does that automatically. So when the light gets to a certain level, it goes bright. And it should always have done that, frankly. But I'm quite glad that's one little upgrade to my watch. Do you know why it does it automatically? Because they've repurposed the digital crown to bring up the, the stacky thing at the bottom. And therefore, they had no other way of doing it. But you're right, you should have just done it from day one. It's rubbish, that, by the way. I don't like the change. No, I'm not sure I did either when I had it. <laughs> I don't like any of the particular new motions, that are on, and I'm not going to use them. I used to swipe up to turn on theatre mode or check my battery or whatever, and it's gone now. It's there somewhere. You have to press the side button. Yeah, but I, I, my muscle memory is I swipe up from the bottom. I don't press the side button. I agree it's still there, but it's not what it was. Yeah, agreed. And it went for the few months I ran it, it took a long time to change the muscle memory, but mm, it's hard to change habits, I think. Very much. Anything else on Apple Watch or have we done it? No, I don't think so. Reasonable updates. If anybody's got a recent Apple Watch, though, it's not worth doing it. You may as well hold on to the money, give it to charity. Um, interesting, though, how they highlighted all the carbon neutral 
work they've done here. And then we're going to go straight into iPhone, which we sell way more of and barely touch on carbon, anything to do about carbon neutrality. Interesting, yes. Okay, so iPhone, which unsurprisingly is four phones, two products. We'll start with the, with, the, with the iPhone, not the iPhone Pros. So we've got the iPhone 15 and the iPhone 15 Plus. The sizes are exactly the same as last year. I think the screens are almost exactly the same as last year. No promotion, nothing else like that. You will notice on the screen, though, if you buy one that you now have the Dynamic Island, which is trickled down from the, the Pro-level phones. So, yes, they confirmed it's a Super Retina XDR display, which is what they had last year. 2,000 nits OLED, which I think is slightly brighter. It was 1,800 or 1,600 nits or something like that before. And they're still aluminium, and they've got slightly more curvy edges, and they've got a more sort of matte finish to them. It look, they look all of one piece as opposed to the shiny camera island and the matte back or... Mac, Mac camera island and shiny back I forget which way around it was in the 14 so I think that's it for the iPhone 15 and 15 plus so no always on display so no standby mode but they did bring the dynamic island down and of course the most important thing is this USB-C in it but we'll come at that a little bit later too yeah so dynamic island I'm glad they've added it because it is great and do you know part of the reason I think they've done it is because when you see the silhouette of the iPhone they probably want it to be the dynamic island and not the one with the notch on it so they can have that iconography everywhere so i i thought they were going to do that i would love for it to have had the always on screen because i i do think that's a really nice feature and I, but it's going to take time for that to fil filter down they can't do everything i thought this looked like a solid update and you know what and we'll talk probably about a bit more about the other features inside it this is the phone for everybody it's a great phone yeah and this is pretty much what we said last year but again i think if i had an iphone 14 i wouldn't be rushing to buy a 15 agreed especially with these uh, pastel colours. Well, do you want to talk about the colours a little bit? Yeah, so if I was looking to buy one, I was looking at this earlier. So there's a pink one. It's a nice pink, but I'm not a pink person. So that's probably not the colour for me. Would my wife go for it? I'm not sure she would. Um, and then we've got yellow. Yellow's a tough colour to pull off. I'm sorry. That, and that's not it. Panic did it with the play date as much as you berate me for not playing on my play date. I think Stanley have done a good yellow when they're a DIY tool company in the uk walt have done it but apple for some reason just seem inept at being able to do it then there's a green oh, i don't know what to say about the green it's not for me and then that brings us to blue and i think blue i like blue blue is one of my favorite colors but i'm not sure about this one so then that takes me to black and it's like oh, black's a bit boring you've had you've been having to have that for donkey years since the iphone came out pretty much so i just i don't know i just I find it odd they get so much grief every year for their rubbish colours, but yet they keep carrying on with it. I think these are more rubbish than ever, though, frankly. The only one I don't mind is the pink, because it's a nice strong colour. And I think in the time of Barbie, a post-Barbie world that we live in, a nice strong pink's a good thing. And I was, I was sat with my daughter just going through the colours a little bit, and she said, the only one of those I like, and she's got a purple phone at the moment, is, is the pink. Yeah, that's um, fair. Uh, the rest of them are so washed out particularly the green and the blue. I mean, depending on the angle you see them at, I think you'd actually slightly struggle to tell them apart. They're so washed out. They're beyond pastel, actually. It looks like dirty dishwasher blue. Yeah, if you look at dirty. the blue from the back on their page where you can twiddle them around, the blue looks white. It looks like the back of my phone. And I like a white phone. I Part of the reason I like my white iPhone is because I can easily see it when I'm in a dark room or if I'm looking for it at night or I've left on the sofa. But I, I was holding my white phone up next to him. I was like, actually, they look pretty similar. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'm disappointed. I, but I knew I was going to be disappointed with the colours, I think, if I'm honest. Yeah, 
they've done stronger than this. It's funny, I was thinking back to the iPhone 5C back in the day, which was a plastic-backed phone that had super strong colours on the back of it because it was plastic and they could make nice colours. And I think that was a product slightly ahead of its time. Do you remember how much we were desperate for the white iPhone 3GS, I think, that came out with the 3GS? I think that was the one they it, announced, but that was the one that barely ever shipped, if I remember correctly. But you could get it, and at the time... The front of the phone still had black bezels on it, so you only got a white back to the phone. But even that, as the first colour they did, it was fantastic. And the, the white and the black phones were always the strongest colours. And, you know, I'm not sure the white and the black phones were maybe once again the strongest colours for this range, and the pink. But where's Product Red gone? Are they going to release that as the midterm update? Yeah, maybe. I, find, I do find it bizarre, but maybe, you know what, maybe Apple have got data on this, and maybe people just don't buy colourful phones when they've done bright things. I don't know. Most people stick them in a case, and it's the case that has to be colourful. But why do colours at all if that's the case? I mean, we're back to John Syracuse's naked robotic core, aren't we? It's just a basic thing, and you wrap it in the thing that means the most to you. True. But this is so weak. People do carry their phones naked. You're an example of somebody who carries your phone naked. Yep. You'd, you want that bold colour. That's what you want. I just want a nice colour. It doesn't necessarily have to be bold. I'd want a nice one. I want international orange that was on the side of my... Apple Watch Ultra, I want that on my phone. Done. All over, please. Same shade. Thank you very much. Done. Yeah. So that's it. They have a matte finish, as I talked about. They've got slightly more rounded edges on the stainless steel rails that they had uh, before. So there'll be fingerprint magnets. They'll pick up all sorts of stuff, but that's fine. You might quite like a bit of color in amongst your super washed out backs anyway. They have the new camera from the iPhone 14 Pro last year. So a 48 megapixel camera that uses four pixels. So you don't actually get 48 megapixels of of photograph, I think you can get 24 megapixels now, which is an improvement. It has a virtual two times telephoto lens. It uses both cameras to create a, a virtual zoom. Whereas before the basic iPhone or the standard iPhone had the wide uh, and the standard lens. So you now get that. They have optical image stabilization on both cameras uh, and improved portrait mode, which is actually really cool. I mean, I was thinking about it and it's a software thing. This is probably the coolest feature of both this and the iPhone Pro. Did, did you did you see about the improved portrait mode? Yeah, so am I correct in saying that this is the one that can do automatic portrait mode in essence? So it goes, ah, I know you're taking a picture of a person because I've got some smarts and therefore I can auto do portrait mode for you. And I think you can do that in post as well. And that's the bit that's the coolest, really. I think, yeah, it should know I've got a person and the lighting's right, therefore you might want to take a portrait. But the ability to go back through it later on and go, actually... That photo was really good. Let's apply the portrait mode to it, post the fact by looking at the, you know all the images both cameras took and the metadata around it and, and all that kind of stuff. That's super cool. Okay, yeah, no, it does sound good. I'd like to see that what that's like in, in real life. Definitely. And you've got a bit more focus and depth control. So they showed some images of this with, and I'll, I'll pronounce it wrong, but the bokeh, the sort of blur that you get between the the subject and, and the background, sort of the blur between those things is now something you can control. And you can even, if there's two people at different distance, focal distances in the picture, you can choose where the focal depth is within the image. So you can zoom in on the person in the background rather than the, it may have focused on the person in the foreground first. So I thought all that stuff was really good. Yeah, and that camera on last year's iPhone 14 Pro, which is what I've got that's now filtered down to here, it's a fantastic camera. I think it's great to see that filter down, I think. That makes this a really good device for nearly everybody. Yeah, so this is fine. As usual, good solid upgrade on the cameras. Some good software improvements there as well for once. Apple know they had to up their game with the cameras and they seem to be making an effort. Yeah, definitely. It's a really solid update. I think they've done a great job. And then what's this got in it? So this has got the same chip as my, my phone in it as well. So this is largely 
the innards of the iPhone 14 Pro and it's taken a price cut. It's fantastic. It is. And when we get to the Pro phones, they've now picked up a Pro, so that it's the 17 Pro. I want to talk about that a little bit more. So remind me if I've failed to put it in the show notes. But yeah, it is the A16 that's in this, which was last year's top-of-the-line chip. So it also has the ultra-wideband in the watch, as we talked about. Um, the SOS feature, so if you're out of um, cellular sig- signal and you're stuck in the mountainside somewhere, this has been expanded beyond the UK and bits of Europe and America. There's now far more countries on that list. Um, there's a new feature on this, which is roadside assistance via satellite. So if you blow a tire and you're in the middle of nowhere and you live in America, you can use this feature to get the American Automobile Association to come along and help you change a tire. This will be free for two years. And again, I think the roadside assistance thing is only in America at this point. Yeah, this looked interesting. It's great. It's free. Curious to know what this looks going to look like longer term and how many people actually use it and, and all of that stuff. Because again, back to the conversation at the start, can you put a price on saving somebody's life? Yeah, I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? And we've got, presumably you have one year left on your free satellite service. I've never used it. Well, no, and why would you? We've got quite good coverage here in the UK, as I'm sure they do in America. It's only if you're in the Highlands of Scotland somewhere and you've got absolutely nothing and you've fallen down a glen that you really want something like this. Yeah, true. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't see anything about Starlink. I think we we did discuss that the reason Apple and Elon are best buddies is because of Starlink, but we saw nothing about that. No, nothing at all. The phone also has USB-C. It's slightly crippled USB-C. Uh, it still runs at USB 2 speeds. So if you plug this particular phone into your Mac, uh, you're not getting your files off there any quicker than you did before with the lightning cable. All you're getting is that you know, USB-C connector. And the other thing I was slightly surprised about with all these phones is why, are they, why haven't they upgraded the fast charging experience? Now you've got USB-C and you look what Android phones can do with fast charging of batteries. They're up to 50, 60, 70 watts or faster. You can completely top your phone up in like 15, 20 minutes in some cases. You've still got on all the phones the maximum twenty watt charge speed uh, with a cable. Yeah, Apple. I know it's that Apple have always been slow though with all all of that piece, and I don't know why. Like they were slow to move over to USB C on the other end of the Lightning cable. I think that only happened last year. So they've always been slow with that. I wonder whether that's got any negative side effects of damaging the battery. I don't know, but it does seem odd that other companies are doing it and Apple don't seem to be rushing on that one. Yeah, it's just something you put on the product box, isn't it? Instead of it taking an hour and a half to charge from 20% to 80% or whatever it is now, you know, 40 minutes, done. That That's what you want. You want to get a quick bit of charge and you want to go, you want to get 50% of your charging in five minutes, bang, you can do that with some of these Android fast charging standards. So, mm, mm. and I know, as you say, that you want, you've got to be very careful, careful around tolerances and things going on fire and at the scale they make phones at. You don't want a Samsung battery gate. Having said that, Samsung still make fast charging phones and you don't have to get warned about them every time you go on an airplane anymore true that is very true so i, I do find that yeah slightly strange but what was interesting is obviously they've crippled this, the speed of it but yet we had an ipad back in 2017 that had lightning on it that worked at usb3 speeds so it seems odd that that i don't know i guess it's a reason to upgrade to the bigger phone but to be fair who's actually plugging these things in to take any data off it I think this phone, not so many people. Imagine how great it would have been to have super fast exchanges of data back in the day. I mean, you and I both had a Firewire iPods, I think, you know, which at the time was so much that Chris is shaking his head for those not that obviously can't see what we're doing. But I had, my first iPod was a Firewire one. Firewire was a, 
a sand, standard that only really Apple and Sony on their camcorders embedded into anything. And it was so much faster than USB. 400 megabits a second, I think it was, which back in those days was insane. Yeah, it was. And uh, I always wanted to have FireWire. I was a PC user at the time. But I was a iPod user with the third gen, the one with the four reddish buttons across the top. And that came. That was the first one that came with the dock connector that obviously went on into the iPhones up until the iPhone 4S, I think it was, maybe 5. Mm. I think no, that, I think the 5 had it, yeah. And that's when we obviously, after that, we then moved to Lightning. And Lightning's done 10 years. It's done us proud. But yeah, we could have done with this performance years ago. But it is what it is. 90% of people I see do not plug their phones into transfer data everything's done wirelessly these days it's just a bit penny pinching though isn't it slower charging slower data transfer on a phone that is 799 quid at a base i wonder what the cheapest android phone is that would give you fast charging and fast data transfer it's probably half the cost it's a thought isn't it definitely but on the whole so, i think great phone for most people yeah i agree it should be Quite rightly, the default iPhone that somebody who's looking for a new iPhone should be picking. You know, you shouldn't be picking a 14, although they're still in the lineup, <laughs> or a 13 or a 12 at this point. If you're out for a new iPhone, get one of these. Agree, because it will last longer. It will take the software updates. If you're buying it to keep it for a long time, go as far forward as you can, because you'll get more updates for longer. You'll get better quality soft software, better quality hardware, cameras, etc. Yep. USB-C AirPods, although they're not selling just the cases this time. So when the um, MagSafe Air, Air, AirPod case came along, you could buy for the AirPods Pro. You could buy just that case and pop your existing AirPods into it. That's not the case this time. You need to buy the whole whole sh- shebang, really. Yeah, I found this one a bit odd because I think we all expected USB-C AirPods to come out, tick, but we could just buy the case and keep our AirPods. I did read something, though, that apparently the new ones have got a slightly different blurb on the website and it will work with lossless audio for the Apple Vision Pro. So I think the whilst these are still called AirPods version 2, they should be really AirPods version 2.1 because I think they are slightly more of a change, but feels a bit rubbish. You'd have to buy the whole thing, which is £230 here in the UK instead of a £50 case, which is a bit disappointing because I might have gone for the case if I'm honest, but I do use MagSafe 90% of the time, so it's probably less of a deal for me. Uh, they've got improved dust protection as well, IPX65 or something like that. But the new firmware is out for your AirPods Pro 2 if you've got the current Gen ones, the the US, not the USB-C ones, the Lightning ones. And I've updated the firmware and actually that was quite seamless. Once I put the RC candle on my phone, I just charged my AirPods. I literally turned around and they were done. How do you know? Because on your iPhone, it will pop up and go, do you want to use adaptive audio and, and all of that new stuff that comes with it? So pop them on to charge maybe and... Um, you can check uh, in settings at the top where the AirPods appear at the top. Um, you can then go into it and it will tell you the version number. Fair enough. I've just put my AirPods on charge as we're talking. So the prices of these and of course there's the iPhone 15 Plus as well. It's exactly the same except it's got a slightly bigger screen and costs £100 more or $100 more. Storage sizes I don't think have changed since last year on the iPhone, so it's exactly the same. But thankfully, the pound is a little bit stronger this year, so actually, we're not. It's, the prices haven't gone up this year. Yeah, and I didn't talk about that actually with the Apple Watch Ultra. I did notice that's actually fifty pounds cheaper in the UK. It's seven hundred ninety-nine pounds instead of eight hundred fifty. So hopefully, the the dollar rate isn't impacting us as bad as what it once was. And when we get to the Pro phones as well, which we're about to get to now, they've also gone down by £100 each. So that actually, for once, we're getting a bit of a saving. Yeah, it does feel like it's less painful this year. Although it's still 
a shed load of money. So let's fire into the 15 Pro and the 15 Pro Max. So this year, the big shouting point and actually the wonderlust symbol when they were talking about the little which of you were watching the video or saw the invitation there was all these sort of little flecks of metallic looking material and that was titanium and the way that they're doing that and now we're getting titanium rings titanium bezels on our phone effectively and it looks quite nice it looks quite nice but i wasn't sure i'm honest i kind of maybe i need to see it in person but it i don't know why it just I was then looking back at my iPhone and thinking, oh, I quite like the shiny stainless steel. I don't know, it just looked a bit dull, but maybe I need to see it. But I did like the finish on my Apple Watch, so, and that was titanium. But it just, I don't know, it just didn't look as nice. So I did see somebody, though, on Mastodon go, brush, brushed aluminiums back, because if you remember, you used to have brushed aluminium interfaces in macOS, so uh, it was interesting <laughs> tie back to those days. Yeah, fair play. So the point of them doing it is that it should be lighter and allows for thinner bezels around the screen which they're quite thin anyway, even on my 13 Pro Max. On yours, they're probably barely visible. So on this, they must be infinitesimal, really. But I, I'm all for a bit of weight saving in these phones. And the pod, the, the YouTubers I've seen who, who've actually held the device say they are noticeably lighter than they were before, which is good because the phones have got far too heavy. Yeah, I think the regular one's about 9% lighter and the Pro Max is about 8% lighter. So a reasonable percentage, I think. The bezels are slightly thinner, but... Like you say, I don't think anybody would really notice. And yeah, the rails are, are going to be so much lighter. So so this is a win because the phones are too heavy. They're very dense, a bit lopsided. I think they're still going to be lopsided because the cameras haven't moved. But no, it's to be lighter, which has got to be a bonus. Yep. Colours, if you can call them that, are black, white, blue and natural grey. They all just look like a grey, as we talked about last week. Yeah, and again, in different lights look very muted i again i just don't think they've listened to the feedback i'm guessing the natural one is like the apple watch ultra that you you've got and i had it looks okay but if you look at the back it looks kind of white or silver um the blue i thought oh blue yes i like it but i'm not sure i just i don't know the white now i've got the white iphone and i could be tempted to order that again if i were to get one because i do like the look of it if I ordered one, I'd kind of want something different. And the black just looks like the blacky, washed-out grey that we've had for a long time. Yeah, I'd go with that. I think of them all, I think the natural grey is the closest to what titanium looks like. As you said, it's the one that's on my watch now. I quite like that sort of dull colour of it. Frankly, it's sort of it, it's keeping the honesty of the material, as Johnny Ive might have said, as opposed to sort of making it something it's not. But the rest of these, and you know, the thinking was titanium is quite hard to anodize. It's probably the wrong word to apply to titanium. It's probably some other process. But yeah, very washed out colours in keeping with the pastel of the of the standard iPhone 15. So, you know, you, you pays your money and takes your choice, I suppose. But that is it's not a very exciting blue. And where's gold gone? Do you remember they used to do gold iPhones? I thought gold was all the rage with the kids. So I thought that was a bit bit bizarre, to be honest with you. But some more colours, please. A bit of brightness. I'd, and and they seem to struggle like with the IMAX to have the same colour all around. I'd like the sides and the back to be the same. And the little hob bit where the... I call it the hob where the uh, lenses are. Like, why can't all that be the same colour? But you end up with about three different colours, all slightly different. So, yeah, still disappointed with that. It would be nice to see them resolve that and do away with the need for this pushed out hob on the back and actually, you know, lean into it. Maybe make the phone thick across the hole of the top or something. And I, I don't know. We've had this design for a long time now. 
we have, and as other podcasts have said, why isn't it in the middle of the phone? Why have we got this top-heavy thing? It's so on Apple to have. I mean, it's distinctive, and you know that that's an, an, an iPhone Pro, and you know that's an iPhone from the camera layout, but it just feels so on Apple. I was thinking about this when I watched The Bear, because we've all got iPhones in that show. And it is blatantly obvious it's an iPhone from the back. When you see somebody holding it to their ear, you know it's an iPhone because of where the cameras are placed. Yeah, and that's why the pixels stand out as well. But you've got to know what you're looking for. You've got to be an Android user of a certain type to look for that sort of Cylon bar along the top of a pixel. But I guess it's a point of distinction when everybody's phones is in a case and they're just a slab of glass. Yep, that is true. You know it's an iPhone because of the cameras. Yep. Moving on, we've got a new button, or maybe we should pour one out for the death of the mute mute switch, which has been with us on iPhone since the very first iPhone. I always quite like my mute switch. My phone is permanently in the mute position. I never want my phone to make any noises at all. So they've given you an action button, similar to the watch. There's a new interface for it. I don't know if you've seen any video of, of how you activate it and how you pick what you want the action button to do. The default mode is you press and you hold it. It's not good enough just to tap it. A little warning pops up and goes, press this for longer if you want it to work effectively. Uh, it's still mute, but you can go in and you can assign it to the camera. You can go in and assign it to, to take a voice memo or something like that. The seven or eight sort of default actions you can assign it to, or you can assign it to a shortcut and the shortcut can be whatever you want it to be. So the shortcut could be launch your fitness uh, fitness app or launch carrot weather or something. Yeah, so I think this looks good. I'm a bit sad in a way to see the silent button go because fair play, it's hung on well since 2007. It's had a good run and it made sense in the early years, but it does not make sense now. Like you, my phone is always in silent. The only thing that switch is for for me is just to flick it every now and again as a as a fidget toy. Sometimes I do catch my pocket, don't realise it, and it, my phone makes a noise and I don't like it. So I'm very happy it's going. The action button looks good. Interesting what it's like for me, be the camera. I would like it to go straight. Take me straight to the camera, please, because I take a lot of photos on my phone. I like messing around with, with photography, so that's what I would use the button for. I can see why you might want it as a flashlight as well. Yeah, so that was, again, my daughter's reaction to this was, oh, great, I can just turn the torch on straight away. Yeah, you can see it, can't you? So my question, and I guess th- this is a deliberate product thing, is why doesn't it do more? Why can't I double-click it and have it launch a second thing? Why can't I triple-click it and do something else? Why can't I hold it for a really long ter- time and it phones the police? You know, th- there's there's a lot more things could be applied to this than just a single action based on one thing. So I, good, I think it is time for the mute button to become something else. I like the fact that the default behavior is still mute if that's what people are used to with the sort of guidance around it. The UI is weird. It looks very un-iPhone-like. I got to say, when you, it's worth seeking out a video. If you remind me, maybe I'll put it in the show notes about how you actually get through the UI to pick what the action button does. Yeah, good, good. Generally good. It's something new on a phone, but they've just copied it off the watch. Yeah, they have copied it off the watch and they've done nothing more with it on the watch this year, which I thought was odd. So um, I'm glad they've done it. But again, it just feels half-hearted. Yeah. Moving on, uh, this has a new chip. It is the ACA17 Pro chip. Uh, and it's a three nanometer process. First time they talked about that. So just as a consequence of moving to a smaller chip design, you can fit more transistors on there. There's less space between them. Things are faster. Things are more efficient, so you get improved battery life for having this chip, you get improved um, speed by having this chip, and you can cram more in there so there's more things going on. So if you did nothing else to the chip except shrink it, you're going to have battery efficiencies, you're going to have you know speed efficiencies. And they've done more than that. They've packed more things in there. 
But uh, yeah, three nanometers, yay. First company, I think, that's actually been able to do this way ahead of Intel, AMD and others. Yeah, it is impressive, isn't it? Three nanometers, it's something to share, but obviously most people won't care. But it's quite a feat. And obviously they're going to be doing it in mass project production it's not like it's on some niche product they make this is their main product that they sell the most of so very interesting yeah and we'll see this in our max you know any day now presume well i say any day now probably some sort of uh, spring announcement but we'll see this in max soon and we'll have the same sort of increases there there's a bit of theorizing as why this is a pro chip the reason this gets a pro chip on it is because it's got a, a usb controller to manage that faster processing and moving data on and off this phone so do we see the pro part of this cut off for next year's iPhone 16? Because it will also still be USB 2 with limited transfer speeds in it as well. And it's just a bit of a conspiracy theory for sort of um, holding things back from the lower end phones. Yeah, it's a bit odd though, isn't it? Like I say, said earlier, we had an iPad in 2017 that had lightning that could do USB 3 speed. But yeah, apparently we can't do it until we up this chip, which just seemed a bit odd to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it's quite... No, no, I was going to say, I get we are doing some different things because you can plug in storage direct into the phone and use an app to, you know, film footage and have it um, offload it straight onto um, a, a third party storage device. And maybe that's why we need it. But I don't know, it just seemed a bit odd how they framed it. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it was interesting that you can shoot on this and record to external storage. So if you are shooting your new 4K60, which I'm, I'm jumping ahead to what the camera is going to be able to do, HDR video then you can stream this straight to a large hard disk. And there are things shot on iPhone these days. I think there's music videos from Olivia. I forget the the artist's second name. Olivia Munn, I want to say. Might not be. I thought Wild. it was, for, oh, I was going to say Rodriguez, but maybe I've got that wrong. No, no, you're right. It's Olivia Rodri- Rodriguez, who have actually been listening to that album. It's terrific. This week, entirely shot. And they do look great, iPhone cameras. But if you put any camera in the hand of a professional cinematographer, it's going to look fabulous. Be it, you know, an old steady cam or a sony handycam camcorder or something like that compared to what i do when i point a, a, a video camera at someone so i'm glad these are there i'm glad people will be able to shoot things on them maybe more cost effectively than they would have done previously lord of the rings i'm sure it'll be on iphones next but uh, yeah this is a good feature it's very pro though yeah and it's not just the camera though is it? it's the lighting it's everything and like you say giving it to the right person what would be better is if they just gave it to a random person in the street and then we could see what they could produce with it yeah, which you don't see quite so much of. I mean, I know Marquez shoots his car videos on his iPhone because it's got a good enough camera, but frankly, he's using the you know the the selfie camera on it most of the time rather than the reverse camera. So he can see himself when he's filming himself reviewing the new Lucid Air or whatever it is, and they look fine. But you want a, you want a cameraman, you want a cinematographer to get behind all that, as you say, light it properly, make sure it's set right, make sure you know the, 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 all the various interactions work the way they're meant to work. I know nothing about this world, but yeah. Again, though, I think it's a decent upgrade. I think it is a good upgrade. I think it is a good upgrade. I think we need to see it. But have you ever thought your iPhone's running slowly? Not for years. There you go, because they have nailed it. But maybe they've nailed it because they've kept kept the change pace happening all the time, if that makes sense. Yep. So just to underline that, you've now got 10 megabits per second data off the phone or data transfer speed on the phone. They then took a very old school Apple thing and did about four and a half minutes, five minutes of game demos, which I thought was bizarre. It was bizarre, but I guess all this work they've done on the chip, they they need to tell us why they've done it and they've done it so that we can play console quality games 
on our tiny iPhone screens with our PlayStation controllers. Uh, it did feel, again, they were padding for space. It gets it does look great. It's amazing you can do all this, but are many people going to play um, console games on their iPhone screens? I, for one, am not. But Yeah, I don't know. I just found it a bit odd. Like you say, it felt a bit old, too. I thought we'd gone past all the game demos. But it, maybe it is, it is quite a feat of engineering to have that performance in such a small device. Yeah, I mean, they showed one of the things with the new Pro chip was it's got um, built-in ray tracing, which is you know, we're calculating reflections on light sources on normally on games or on rendered scenes. You can do it in software, but it's really painful. So you get, in their example, three or four frames per second on a software-rendered one as opposed to a hardware-rendered one where you're up to 40, 50, 60 frames per second. It's mostly for gaming. So they've talked about bringing the, the the actual version of the next Assassin's Creed game to iPhone, which will be a you know a gigabyte or higher or a hundred gigabyte download, you know, to get that on your phone, which is nuts. Like you say, you're going to sit that with it just on your phone and play that. I'm not so sure you are. But as a Trojan horse for the gaming mode they've brought into the Macs, what this chip will be capable of when it's in a Mac. That's quite a market you'd have who might have a Mac and your phone and your iPad that you can play a truly AAA game on. But we've had truly AAA games on on iPhones and iPads before in Civilization VI and XCOM and the rest of it. And it didn't set the world on fire. You still end up with the shovelware stuff that's full of ads that comes out of the App Store. So I'm not sure this is a thing that's going to work. Agreed. I do wonder that this is just a nothing, a nothing thing, if you know what I mean. So I find it very bizarre. They spent a lot of time on it, but... Like I say they've probably got to justify all that work on the chip. I don't know. Yeah. I made a little note here as well while they were showing off all these amazing games doing incredible things by ray tracing. The dynamic island looked awful stuck in the middle of the screen there, you know, with a game going on. That, that, you don't notice so much when you're watching a film. There's lots of black backgrounds and things in the film, but it's really obvious when you're playing a game. Yeah, surprised that hasn't shrunk at all. But I thought the same with the notch. It took them a long time to shrink the notch, if you remember. We had many years where the notch didn't shrink at all. And I think it's going to be the same with this. Mm. Interesting. We'll see where this ends up. I mean, having this kind of game on your phone, I'm not connecting my PlayStation controller and sitting playing Assassin's Creed, even on a 6.7 inch screen. Me neither. No. Mm. We saw how well Apex Legends did, right? Yeah, quite. I just don't play that many games on my phone. If I do, it's more light-hearted games I can pick up and put down. Not something I'm going to play for half an hour, an hour. You know, you know, you want something like a Steam Deck with a half-decent screen on it to, to do that, and with a good chunky controller around it. I've I've accidentally set off the balloon somehow for for my video effect while I was talking there, waving my hands around. I don't even know what I did. So I don't know what you did either, but that was quite amusing. Now, agreed agreed with you on that. Um, should we move on to the camera? Yeah. Let's move on to the camera. So they've said the camera is the best camera yet, which I was really shocked to hear them say that. Yeah, I mean, they iterate on the camera every year. You, you knew they were going to talk about the cameras and make them better. And it's great. They've, they have improved them. They've still got the 48 megapixel camera. But actually, the things you used to have to do in raw mode, they've now filtered that down to the regular Heath mode. I'm not sure if I've said that correct, but you don't have to turn on the raw mode, which I do have turned on. But it's great they've now done it to the regular formats because... When I have raw mode on, I don't get like live photos and things. It auto turns that off. So they're just iterating on it. They release it one year when it's good enough, but there's some caveats. And then the next year they've moved it on and actually there aren't any caveats now. So it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. And having it in the Heath mode, like you say, it comes with all those benefits, but it's smaller as well. So when you're trying to share these photographs with other people, it's not taking up as much space. It's not as much bandwidth. 
It's a positive thing. Yeah, every time I go take a photo and I go to share it, whether it's with you or anybody on iMessage, I have to wait while the little um, circle fills while it does something to it to make it shareable. So I have noticed that it is slow doing that kind of thing. Yeah, and again, should be even better in lower light. And this is something they talked about. Is these these sensors and these are better. You're getting more light onto them. 48 megapixels down to 24, so lower light photographs should look better again. And that's something I'm very keen on because it's the one thing, if you're out with your family, it's getting a bit late, you're out in a pub, this thing's going on, you want to snap a quick picture, it can look terrible, even on a, on a modern phone in, in low light. So I think improvements in this direction are always to be welcomed. Yeah, and they've done a lot of good things there. The interface is good. I mean, that is one thing, the camera interface is pretty good for anybody to pick up and it does make a lot of these features accessible because they talked about the is it five or six different lenses you've got in, in essence or maybe even seven now the way they make it all work now obviously we're going to talk probably about the pro max having an extra special lens in a second but actually on the regular just 15 pro it's got the three lenses on it but obviously they do some clever jiggery pokery so you end up with a maximum of seven different lenses you can take different photos at which was fantastic um, they've done a lot with what they've got without actually adding any more hardware really in because when are we going to have a fourth you know physical lens is that going to happen at some point well you could say the lidar sensor might be in, heading in that direction but i agree with you sort of a major change to the <laughs> the stovetop on the back of our phones yeah that is interesting isn't it that, that, that the sort of proven that forward you also get all the stuff we already talked about for the iphone so all the portrait if you want to add it in post the fact then you can do that kind of stuff You've said it a minute ago, so let's say it again now. The, the Pro Max is getting a different zoom lens to the standard Pro. It's getting a five times optical lens. This is the fabled periscope lens we've been talking about for a while now, except Apple didn't call it a periscope. They called it some sort of prism where it was getting bounced a short distance multiple times within the circular camera body to give you the idea there was actually more focal length to it. That gives you another of these lenses you were talking about there, where as well as one sort 0.5 times for your wide um, standard, three times as was now is five times. If you tap and hold in the camera interface, you'll get more standard photography lens differences. So a 1.2 lens or a 1.5 lens or thereabouts to give you those virtual lenses, which are made up of machine learning effectively between the lenses on the camera. So that's very clever. They want to be careful. And with you, the, photo, the, the camera interface is pretty good. There are still things hidden in it you need to drop down to find. So, for example, the filters they introduced last year, if you wanted warm or, or, or something like that, you actually need to go up to the top, top an arrow, select filter, swipe till you find the one you like, tap that one and go with it. They're in danger of abstracting, in a very Apple way, abstracting too much complexity away a little bit, which is why when we've talked about some of the photography apps that we've tried, they're suddenly an awful lot more complicated and we've got to get our heads around exactly how they work. So that balance is tricky between introducing features like this and knowing you need to tap to hold on this lens to get it to do the correct photographic thing. How many people would even try that, you know? Yeah, I'm amazed they've not done a camera app and a camera pro app and just keep the camera app really simple, aim for 90% of the people and then stick a pro app on there for the people that really want to, you know, futz with the camera, choose all the right settings, all of that. But the five times telephoto lens that we talk about that's only on the Pro Max. So this is the one difference between the Pro and the Pro Max. And it's put me in a quandary of if I upgrade, which one would I go for? Because I do like playing with the photography side of it is the five times telephoto. That's basically a 120 mil lens that you'd have in your pocket, which is pretty good reach for a phone. I, it messes with my mind of 120mm lens is normally quite a big lens and they did show this on, on, on the video that they've managed to make 
obviously it's not going to be quite as good quality, but they managed to make something like that work in such a small device. So quite a cool piece of engineering there. Yep, I agree. And a very different approach to Samsung and others have taken. Uh, Quinn Nelson has put a quick take on this at Snazzy Labs. Go and look him up on YouTube talking about this stuff and what he thinks his impressions are of the five-time zoom camera and all the rest of it. And he's cautiously optimistic about this as well, but it's definitely worth looking at Quinn's take. We already said you can now shoot as, as well at 4K 30, so that's 4K resolution 30 frames per second. That now goes up to 4K resolution 60 frames per second. I think this sort of really underlines that if you are shooting video on a phone, the iPhone is the one to choose. Android phones aren't anywhere near this, the responsiveness that an iPhone can do. So that's definitely an exclusive feature to iPhone. They also said that two of the cameras, if you hold it in portrait mode, landscape mode, then you can use it for spatial video capture, the top two cameras on that side. I've done the balloons again. I don't know how that could get annoying real fast. If I do that in a meeting when I'm on Zoom at some point, that could be a problem. So you'll be able to do a spatial video camera. So the thing they showed in, in the Apple Vision, the Vision Pro video with sad dad videoing his, his child with a Vision Pro on, he can just do it with his expensive iPhone instead and then look at it later on his Vision Pro. Yeah, I was surprised this came this year. I thought it might be a bit longer, but apparently it uses the normal camera and the wide camera to, to do this be super interesting to know what the quality of that's like how that compares to if you filmed it on the vision pro but again a good link back to the vision pro i like i said i thought they did in quite a good way but quite a cool feature be interesting to see like i say how all this is going to pan out yeah it is uh, and it's good to see that integration beginning and you can't think if they release a cheaper vision rather than the vision pro at some point then the iPhone itself will have to capture this kind of stuff as well. So you're going to want you know, the, the Pro and the Pro Max to do the high-end one, and obviously it'll be able to step down to it. But you want to sort of permeate that across the line. So what's in people's he- on people's heads and in people's hands is able to capture that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be, going to be interesting to see how much that's used, but I'm amazed they've already put it in a phone when they haven't even launched the product yet. And you don't know how good or bad that product's going to be, but there you go. We will see. So the phones themselves start at £999, we'll do the British one, for the Pro and £1,199 for the Pro Max. Uh, Bit of a bonus this time, the other advantage to the Pro Max over the Pro is if you buy a Pro as default, it comes with 64 gigs of storage. No, it doesn't, it comes with 128 gigs of storage uh, for £999. If you step up to 256 gigs of storage, it goes to £1,199. Whereas if you buy the bigger phone, with a five times camera it starts at 1199 so it's actually probably a better deal so correct me if i'm wrong but are you saying if you up um, you're making me go and look now if you up the basic phone the iphone 15 pro which is 999 comes with 128 gigabytes of storage if you increase that to 256 oh no it, it doesn't take you to 1199 it takes you to 1000 so the there's a hundred pounds difference then yeah. between the Pro and the Pro Max for the same size storage, but obviously with the Pro Max you get that 120 mil zoom and obviously a bigger screen. So they are the two differences. Are they worth 100 pounds to you? If you said each one were worth 50 pounds each, you'd probably think that's a fair price. To be honest, the storage is always expensive with Apple, though. Let's just <laughs> let's not ignore that. But um, yeah, you're quite right. Yep, definitely. So think that was it for the event other than i think you spotted it but a millisecond before i did but in the last video they had an ipod hi-fi kicking around in the background of the video yeah i was looking i was like is that an ipod hi-fi there and i thought that's kind of cool i quite like that they had that in there i'd expect something like that though at wwdc which is really for the you know the geekier audience but i just thought it was quite cool and a bit odd how they had an ipod hi-fi in the background i don't know i just thought it was quite neat 
Yeah, no argument. It was quite neat. I mean, it's it's a super niche product and it had a dock connector on top of it, I think. So it's obviously some sort of shout out to changing cables and connectors. Do you reckon that's why they had it? Yeah, definitely. Could well be. What a device that was. I always wanted one, never had one. I never wanted one because I never saw the point. If I had a line-in jack on the back of it where I could have put something else into it, I would have been all over it. It did. Did it? Yeah, it did. Oh. Listen to Jason Snell. He had one and he was saying how he carried on using it because it had a line-in on it. But I was wondering because it was meant to sound amazing. Um, it was quite a chunky monkey. But those kinds of products have gone away, haven't they, where you dock your, your phone on the top. Obviously, we've got more Bluetooth speakers now. That, that's obviously taken over. But it, you just don't seem to get those premium, big, chunky products anymore. I entirely blame Apple for the death of that kind of product. That they, so many people went all in on the dock connector. You know, even big audio manufacturers. I think the Royal Navy used to have dock connectors on on the on the current version of their aircraft carriers. They specified cabins with dock connectors in them. So, you know, that's a big investment to make for for a technology that Apple on a whim changes. So people just didn't invest in it anymore. Yeah, that's true. And people people do get upset when connectors change. We obviously touched on USB-C earlier. My son had their local radio station on and the presenters were talking about lightning going off the new phone and USB-C coming. And one of the presenters went, well, I'm not getting that then. I'm not, not going through that again. And it's like, it was 10 years ago, but people are still raw about it. Yeah, people get a lot of value in, in the sort of cables they've built up. I mean, if you think I've got I don't know, three, four MagSafe connectors lying around the house to charge a phone up these days. I'm not getting burned by it either. I don't need to replace all those with USB-C cables, but I'm in the know. I, I read a thing this week that if you were to take all the cables, lightning cables Apple, Apple had made since the beginning of this, they'd stretch five times around the world. Wow. That's a lot of cables. That's a big number, isn't it? Isn't it? So we're back to talking about waste and recycling and all the rest of it. There's a lot of copper in those cables. I hope they can be recycled and they don't just end up in landfill. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Apple needs to just have an amnesty, don't they? Or somebody. You know, There's probably a lot of value in that. Yeah, that's true. I'm amazed. Yeah, a company should just recycle them. That's a good idea. So that was the event. Have we got anything else to add to that? And we'll do a quick new, or we'll do a quick news section. Yeah, let's do a quick news section. So our new section is hyper-focused. It's pretty much things that didn't make it into the actual event itself. And there's, they were only on for just over an hour, even though it felt like longer, I must say, um, that didn't make it in. So a few extra news stories. Apple has finally officially killed the iPhone mini. So there used to be an iPhone mini in the lineup. The iPhone 13 mini will be the last one of them. That's a bit of a shame. I think it's nice that they used to offer a smaller phone. I do think it's nice. And I know quite a few people that like that smaller phone. I'm a little sad to see it go. I don't really want to buy a Pro Max, but I fear I might end up getting one. Yeah, sorry. Apple are, of course, selling a dongle to go with your new US- USB-C iPhone, so you can b- pick up a $29, presumably £29, USB-C to lightning adapter. So there you go. That journalist you heard on the radio today, all they need to do is buy a couple of these and they can maintain the lightning cables. It just seemed bizarre to me that they felt so, so bitten by it. I find that bizarre. I am surprised, though, that Apple have released very few USB-C things. We can't buy the case to replace our airpods we can't buy new airpods max is there's not many cables that are doing many different charge cables and there's no they're not doing a stand or anything i thought they'd be doing some form of stand because obviously the the new standby mode that's coming out is part of ios 17 so i thought it was very odd that they weren't doing more in the in the uh, accessory space if i'm honest i, I expect some more from that but you've just highlighted really they've just done that one adapter and i think there's a couple of charge cables and that's it yeah, and 29 for an adapter, $29. I 
if you look on Amazon, you can buy a USB-C to USB-C cable that will, is good enough for charging. You'll need to buy a separate cable for fast transfer off the phone. We should probably mention that, the Pros and the Pro Maxes. It's five, five pounds That's not just bad. for a cable. That's all right. And a USB-A to C cable is five pounds. In fact, I think it's a pound cheaper. It might be, you know, four pounds. So why would you buy this adapter? It completely baffles me as to why you'd buy it. The adapter's pointless. Just get on board with USB-C. Everything's more or less USB-C and will you know, ultimately go to USB-C, so it's got to be the way to go. Yeah, I mean, your iPad, your Nintendo Switch, your Sony headphones, you know, almost everything these days comes with a USB-C connector. That travel router I was talking about having bought a couple of weeks ago, it's USB-C, so I don't get it. Agreed, but maybe they're doing this just to appease people. And then the last news story is that, unsurprisingly, they've stopped selling the MagSafe battery pack because it comes with the lightning connector and the MagSafe Duo because it comes to the lightning connector. So pour one out for them as well, and they haven't replaced them with anything else. Yeah, I find that bizarre that they just didn't release a new MagSafe battery pack with the USB-C connector on it. Like I say, do all the accessories in one go. It seemed very bizarre that they stopped selling a battery pack for a period of time. So yeah, surprised by that one. There we go. That was it for news, unless I missed a story. No, I think that's it. Okay, I'm going to very quickly talk about games. I haven't put it in the show notes, but I have actually got a game to mention. Uh, it's uh, on sale on Steam this week. It's called Word Factory, except Factory ends with N and I. It's just a fun little puzzle game. You have machines, and all they can do is produce the letter I. They'll give you a word you've got to make, and you've got to have other machines that will bend them or flip them or join them together or all the rest of it to actually turn your I into all the other letters of the alphabet. Nice little brain teaser. Only four ninety nine. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. There you go. That was it for games. Have you got anything in gaming? I bought Command & Conquer Remaster on the Steam Deck for £6 because it was finally on sale and I've been wanting that. Now I can get rid of my old laptop. Does it work? It does work, but I want it more so I can use it on the dock down here and up at the house on the dock because a game like that, you really want a mouse and keyboard. So I had everything else in place. I just needed that game. But I'm still enjoying the Steam Deck and for me, it's a great device. It's a lot smaller, a lot better maintained than my laptop. And so it's replaced something in my life that was aging out. Oh, I'm glad. You have got that sort of mouse pad thing in the bottom right hand corner. You can kind of use as a mouse in the Steam Deck. I've got my thing of the week from last week, which the third item is paired to the Steam Deck, which is why I love this mouse, because I've got it on my Mac, as I'm talking to you. I can use it on my iPad, and I can use it on my Steam Deck. It's really good. Fair enough. We'll skip over media, and we can actually do it. We can be able to finish fairly soon, I think. So having run through the event and, and all the things around it, are you going to buy anything? Don't know. I'm 50-50 on it. Part of me's tempted because I quite like the look at the new cameras. I love playing with all that sort of stuff. I'm not fussed about USB-C really because I barely use it. I Like you were talking, I use MagSafe. But 50-50 on whether I'd get a new phone. It would be a Pro or a Pro Max. But I don't know. It just depends whether I want to spend the money. I can trade my current one in for about £555. So it really takes the edge off it. Yeah, I'm pretty close, I think, on the Friday to pulling the trigger. So you're just updating your current phone for the latest one, equivalent size, slightly bigger storage, I think you were saying. I think the Quandary I've got, I think if they did the telephoto lens in the smaller device, I would probably wouldn't be thinking about it, I'd just go and get it. But I'm not sure if I want a bigger phone. Yeah, and I kind of see what you're saying in that when you bought the bigger, the smaller phone, you wanted to change from the big one you'd had for a little bit of time, so it felt like a new device to you. And I find that kind of attractive, that something a little bit more portable. It feels different to what I've been using, well, since the 11, actually, I've had the bigger phone. 
In fact, I think I've only had bigger phones since the 6S, no, the 6 Plus, not even the 6S Plus. So I'm used to being in the bigger ecosystem. But whenever I pick up a smaller phone, I feel like there's something missing. So I'm kind of trapped in it. Yeah, I'm a bit mixed on it. I love the smaller phone. It's great in the pocket. I carry it with me everywhere. But the bigger phone would probably be good for me because I do a, I do do a lot of work on my phone. I do a lot of email on it. I do a lot of phone calls. But I just don't know if I want that big slab in my pocket. So I'm, I'm a bit mixed. And I was talking to somebody today that had a Pro Max, same one as me. And I've obviously got the Pro and I, I, I just don't know. So I'm 50-50 at the moment, but I may not order anything. I may wait until they're out and go and have a look in the shop. I'll see how it goes. I don't think you've got any great rush to upgrade, really. I mean, you don't. You're, like you say, you're MagSafe for the connectors. You don't transfer films off and on. You've got the good camera in there. You've got the always-on display. You've already got the dynamic island. I think other than you really fancy a little bit of the, the new hotness for the chip, you absolutely must have USB-C or you really want that zoom camera, I don't think it's massive reason for you to upgrade. No, um, I think it'd be a noticeable upgrade for you because you'll get the always on screen and the dynamic island. And there is something about doing a two-year jump, which is what I did last year, because you get all the things the other person, you know, the other people had in the middle year. So um, I don't know, it's just whether I fancy it, I guess. Yeah, I went from 11 to 13. Going from 13 to 15 doesn't seem so bad. I, I got to say, it's not an absolute to me. My 13 is fine. You know, I've still got 89% battery health left which is only one percent away from what you've got after a year but i gotta say the little upgrades are they that sort of cumulative load as we've talked about with apple kind of gets to you so i'm 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 mostly on the, the side that i'm probably going to pick one up yeah i thought you might yeah and no Anything no no apple watches for either of us i have absolutely no intention of getting an apple watch my ultra is fine in fact i feel really good about it you know having seen what the ultra ultra 2 is because it's really not that much of an upgrade. Yeah, I think my colleague at work that I sold mine to for a very good price is going to be dead chuffed because he's not missing anything. Yeah, and, it, and it looks no different. You know, there's nothing visually about it that would make you think you're rocking last year's watch. Yep, they haven't even done a new colour. No. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Let's call it a show. Let's call it a show. So thanks for everybody for listening. And if you want to get in contact, Rod is at G5Maniac at Marston.scott. I'm at underscore CJP at Marston.social. Or you can drop us an email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com. Talk to you next week, Chris. Cheers, Rod. Mm-hmm.